This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast, and we have been getting awesome, I mean awesome, reaction responses from you over the last few podcasts talking about Steve and how he got a chance to become a, a professional handicapper and, and gambler, as well as some of the stories of him escaping casinos, getting kicked out of casinos, uh, sports books and bringing down the house, as they say. And I even slipped in a little fake ID story as well. It has been absolutely awesome. Highly encourage you to follow Steve on Twitter at Fezic Sports. Of course, most of you that are loyal listeners know he's the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling and so he is the ideal guy to have on the Even Money podcast. We're getting closer and closer to training camp, to preseason games. We're seeing some line movement out there a little bit. Some MVP odds have been released. I know that's not a big favorite of Steve's. And there's also some big news to get to in terms of gambling. But before we do any of, of those things, I want to tell you we're presented today by SaxUnderwear.com slash Tucker. Very rarely do I honestly tell you something will change your life. Your life will be better. It's more expensive than the underwear you normally wear, but you'll be happy to pay it after you try it once. SaxUnderwear.com slash Tucker. It'll be like when you didn't think you needed a cell phone, and then you're like, oh my gosh. How can I live without a cell phone? Same thing. Steve, before we get into, um, we're going to talk a little bit about studying NFL schedules and why people do it wrong. Before we get into that, I wanted to get your reaction. It's something that I talked about with Andrew Brandt on the Ross Tucker football podcast yesterday, and that is the Supreme Court going to hear this case about legalized sports gambling in the United States, I guess it's mainly New Jersey, but if New Jersey were to win, that would have uh, big ramifications across the country. I'm just curious, what's the buzz in Vegas about this, and what do you think the impact would be on actual lines, actual gambling, um, the industry, if in fact New Jersey gets their way and they get cleared for sports gambling, which would presumably lead to a bunch more states going down that road. Vegas is all for it. Vegas thinks that if states go ahead and get legalized gambling, a lot of them, at least initially, will just become satellites of the existing Las Vegas sportsbook. So it'll grow their business. Um, and you look at other countries. Our country was founded on religious freedom. I believe the pilgrims were fleeing 
the fact that they are persecuted and couldn't believe in what they wanted. And yet we're the country that has some of the greatest restrictions on wagering of any country in the world, any free country. It makes no sense. It cannot stand. It's just a matter of how many years to get through the legal mumbo jumbo. It's kind of like when we were growing up, Ross, and we wore the tidy whitey underwear, and then all of a sudden the light bulb went on, and like we can wear good underwear. I don't know of anyone that converts to good underwear that ever goes back. It's a really good point. I actually wore, I cannot believe it, I wore tidy whities through my freshman year of college, I think. And I look back on it like high school, I'm amazed that as many girls dated me as they did. <laughs> I mean, you know, and everyone has that revelation where you got that roommate, that cool roommate, and you see him wearing these black briefs, and you're like, whoa, what's, I, I, I've never even thought about this. I, and he's like making it with the girls and the, and the like, and the light bulb goes on. It's like, what have I been doing my whole life, right? Dude, I, I, I honestly, I guess I just didn't really know differently. I didn't really look, and that's just kind of what my dad had worn. It's what my mom bought me, and it's what, it's what you wore. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And now we have sax underwear, which is like, un, it, it's like the sex of underwear. Sax underwear. It is that good. So that's interesting. So that. They're not worried about losing business from it. They actually think that they're going to gain a lot of business. Absolutely. And as far as the lines, we think that the lines will become a, a lot, not a lot, but somewhat softer and weaker. The more money that's into the pool, the better it is for everyone. We want that rich Texas businessman to be able to bet his 10000 on games. We want the New York City stockbrokers to be able to bet on games. It's good for everyone. Got it. Okay. Very, very interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, in recent weeks, with some of the things that have happened, like the Jets, um, you know, getting rid of Decker and David Harris, you know, a little bit earlier this month, how much of a, of a movement, if any, did that have, like, on the Jets' total number? Has there been movement this month and when the Jets moved on from Decker and Harris and made it like officially official that they are in a complete rebuild this year did that move the the line or have any of the lines moved at all there's been an enormous move the Jets were lined at five season wins now they're four and a half the vigorous that you have to pay to bet the under is somewhat onerous it's minus a dollar fifty so you have if you want to play the Jets under four and a half you got to lay 150 to make 100. And the reason that's so significant, Ross, is NFL odds makers never deal a team lower than four. That's the basement. That's the worst team in the history of the NFL, as you like to say. And the Jets are fast approaching it. I think being an NBA handicapper is more significant here than being an NFL handicapper. They clearly want the USC quarterback. They are going to be dumping Philadelphia 76ers style. And on the games of the year, you're seeing a feeding frenzy. They're betting the Chargers at the Jets pick them. They're betting Cleveland hosting the Jets pick them. Those lines are flying. Everyone thinks the Jets are going 2-14. and 14. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I have a really tough time seeing them get to five wins. I mean, even, even with what you said about the VIG, I think I'd still, I, I think I'd still take the Jets. I, I mean, under the under. I, I just can't imagine them actually getting – you know, to five wins. I, I don't I don't see how they do it. And this is an example of the good, what I call the good story 
I'd say it's in my book, but I've never gotten around to writing it. In the good story, you want to bet the good story early in the year, like the Jets under, before everyone else bets it because it's so logical. And so you want to play the Jets under five and even under four and a half because right before the season kicks off, you know you're going to get some ridiculous number like Jets over four plus a dollar twenty five or something. So you can play back at the very end if you wish, but there's going to be nothing but a tsunami of money against the Jets the next four months. Wow, it's crazy. The other thing I wanted to ask you before we get into some of your NFL schedule stuff is the MVP odds came out for this season. I, I thought it was interesting, by the way, like Sam Bradford had like the eighth or ninth best odds. Now, they had a bunch of guys at 50 to 1, and the top eight were all, you know, like the marquee quarterbacks who you would imagine Aaron Rodgers, Brady, Matt Ryan, Big Ben, etc. You know, and but and probably one of those guys is going to win it. But then it was like Julio Jones and Antonio Brown were at the same place as Sam Bradford. Just to see Sam Bradford's name in the top ten for MVP odds was was stunning. I know we've talked about it in the past, Steve, but we're getting new listeners all the time because we have a, a bunch of folks, thankfully, that really like the podcast and we and love and appreciate all of you that retweet Steve when he tweets it out, at Fezzik Sports. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. The podcast itself is at RTF Podcast. And, of course, if you're a Facebook person, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. But I did want you, I feel like we should do this every year, Steve. At a minimum, you should have to tell everybody why you never do MVP odds or things like that. Yeah, Never say never, but I don't like the needle in the haystack bets. I don't like to bet a golfer to win a golf tournament or one player to win the MVP because the overall vigorous in the pool is higher than horse racing. The, the household's like 55% of the money bet into these things. And so all the odds are sure, like Sam Bradford should be 40 to 1 and you can get him 10 to 1. You know, it's ridiculous. And 40 to 1, frankly, seems like a stretch, Ross. I think I'd be willing to lay 40 to one that he doesn't win the MVP. Um, but what you want to look at, if you like a quarterback like a Drew Brees or a Big Ben, look for passing yards over under and bet yes or bet no. So if you're very bullish on a, on a player to have a great year, instead of putting him in a bet in at six to one for him to win the MVP, I would just bet him to go over his passing yards or touchdowns. Got it. Um, all right. Is there any so? Oh, you know, so you'd rather just do the stats for the individual player than actually do the needle in the haystack because, you know, it's going to be one of those guys. You just it's, you know, it's tough to know who out of those guys it would be. Plus, nobody thought it'd be Matt Ryan last year. Yeah, there's always the possibility that Matthew Stafford goes nuts. Well, really not this year, and your quarterback has a great year. And we'll look at Mike, look at Westbrook in the NBA. You know, if you if you bet on Harden, he, he eclipses every single number by light years and you wind up with nothing at the end of the year if you bet him to win the MVP. All right. That makes sense. And I think it's important that people hear that because I know a lot of people like those kind of picks. I wanted to get your thoughts on the schedule. You feel like a lot of people I know you and I were texting. You feel like a lot of people. Uh, really, really get it wrong when it comes to schedule analysis. Oh, my gosh. Ross, you need to hold a 
seminar for your media cohorts that are going through schedule analysis on how how to do it because they're doing it all wrong. Every one of them that I, when I'm listening to like the um, the NFL channel on Sirius XM, they when they analyze a the schedule, they start reading game by game. Okay, so the New York Giants open up at Dallas. That's a tough game. And then they play Detroit. They should win that. And then they go game by game. And it's just a convoluted mess. So I think we all know, most listeners know, the way the NFL schedule works. It's predetermined um, based upon where you're, you finish the year before you play your division games. You play four games against um, the in the other conference, everyone in – one set division, you play four games against one set division within your conference, and then you have only two wild card games. Those are the parity games. If you finish first, you play two first place teams. If you finish last, you play two last place teams. So um, basically, it does not really matter to me when you play the teams. What matters is who you have to play. And I don't care what teams' records were last year. I care how good the teams are. So if you tell me, oh, you got you get go ahead and get to play Carolina. I don't care that they went six and 10 or whatever they went last year. They're an above average team. That's a difficult game. And so the way to assess strength of schedule is to look at how strong teams are this year, which you can mimic pretty much by looking at their season wins, not what their record was last year. Based on that, what have you, what have you seen? I mean, are you basically just taking the, the, the line maker season win totals and looking at it that way? I am, and I look at travel as well. Maybe we can get into one team to start out here. I don't like a team with excessive travel. We spoke a lot last year about the Rams and all the travel and the distractions they had last year, and they had a disastrous season. I think the Oakland Raiders are set up to way underperform this year based upon their schedule. Can I start breaking it down for you? Sure. Okay, so... Here's my problem with Oakland. Last year, they had all these trips to the East Coast because they played against the NFC South and the AFC South. This year, the same thing is true. They play the NFC East. They play the AFC East. So they're traveling nonstop to the East Coast where they did very well last year. Historically, they've done very poorly, however. You look at their road schedule. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Literally every one of their road games is a coin flip Ross. In division, they're at the Chargers, at Kansas City, at Denver, against the AFC. They're at Buffalo. They're at Miami. And then the NFC, they're at Washington, at Philly, and they play at Tennessee. So those eight games, every one of those games is going to be lined close to pick them. You look at their home games, and they play the AFC East. So they get the Jets and they get New England, but unfortunately their home game is in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. It's in Mexico City. So they have <laughs> nine essential road games. They'll beat the Jets. They'll lose in Mexico City to New England. So I'm looking at that schedule and I'm saying, here's a that that puts them at five and five. Where are the easy games for this team? There are none because their schedule, their division is so difficult with Denver, Kansas City, and an improved Charger team. They almost have to run the table on their other six home games and Ross. They're playing the NFC East. They got Dallas and they got the Giants coming into their crib. And they also have to play against Baltimore. Wow. And those and those tough division games, I think Oakland could easily have a losing record with all that travel and that ultra difficult schedule. So the thing I think is really interesting about that, and I wanted to get your thoughts on what what documented evidence is there 
relating to the length of travel and the impact that that has. Because, you know, I'm just remembering off the top of my head, you know, going to Seattle and winning, going to San Francisco and winning. And I, and I know that it's an issue a lot of times for the West Coast teams going to the East Coast that there's a there's a track record and a history of that. But I'm curious as to how the how the lines makers, the odds makers, how they how they price that or what info you have regarding that. Yeah, the problem is there's just not a big enough sample size and no one's really tracked how many miles a team actually has to fly. But as a player, I think that you can speak to the fact it's not just flying across the country and playing at Seattle. It's coming home and then you go back and now you got a short week to prepare the next week. The cumulative effect of all those road trips can be super significant. Did you find when you played three out of four road games that it would carry over even to your next home game? I don't I don't remember um, consciously or subconsciously thinking that or feeling that, but it's certainly possible that it did and I just didn't you know didn't know it, you know, but I don't remember thinking, boy, this I do remember thinking if you had a Sunday night game or a Monday night game, you know, I do remember thinking you're, you're just kind of off your schedule. So if it's Sunday night, Monday night, or if you play on the West Coast, you get home a lot later Sunday night, or obviously if it's Monday night, and your schedule's off. Because if you're, you're getting home at Sunday like 2 a.m., but then you still have to be in the facility the next day. And it's so I would say early in the week, you know that you're – you're just a little off. It's just different. It's just a little different. And one of the favorite handicapping angles that NBA and baseball handicappers like to do is they like to fade a team off a long road trip, that first game back home, because of the cumulative effect of the travel. Now, it's not as significant, only playing once a week, but still, you come home and you've been on the road, and especially if you're married, and now your wife would like to see you, your kids would like to see you. There's just so much in life you know, that accumulates, and people forget you know, that NFL players are human beings and they have do have other distractions, right? That um, I uh, I really think uh, this talk about moving to Vegas as well, there's just a, too much on Oakland's plate, I think. Any other teams that really jump out to you from a schedule standpoint? Pittsburgh has the opposite. The Steelers, I don't have their full schedule in front of me. They do not have to travel I believe west of the Mississippi, they stay in the central time zone or the east time zone all year long by contrast versus uh, what happens with Oakland. The Lions, the Lions aren't so much travel, it's schedule related. If I look at their games, they have to play against the AFC North. So they get Pittsburgh, Baltimore and Cincinnati. They get one easy game, Cleveland. That's their only easy game, Ross. Well, you could argue they got two in division. They got two easy games against Green Bay, but two difficult games against um, uh, two easy games against Chicago, two difficult games against Green Bay and two games against Minnesota. That's double revenge for the Vikings. that somehow lost to this team twice. And then they play the NFC South Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. Their field games are Arizona and the New York Giants. Boy, Jim Caldwell. You won all those close games because Matthew Stafford was Mr. Clutch in the final four minutes of games last year. Let's see you do it again. I don't think he can. 
Yeah, I, they're one of the teams that I certainly – in fact, the Raiders and the Lions were two of the teams that I had mentioned, I think, on the radio that I thought would, would take a, a, a step back this year from from last year, just looking at their wins and loss. I can't remember why that topic came up, but they were certainly teams that I thought would take a step back, and I tend to agree. Um, speaking of the Raiders, um, I know we have a listener – uh, that is a Raiders fan that uh, sent us a question. Um, and his name is Steve Shalabel, I think, or Shalabel. I'm not sure which one. I think he lives in Green Bay, but is a big, big Raiders fan. And here's his question for you, Steve. Let's do the Ask Ross sounder, Brian. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to Ask Ross. Email address is ross at rostucker.com. Steve sent not one but two Amazon.com purchases. He went to rostucker.com and clicked on the link in the banner ad and made a purchase and then forwarded me the sponsor confirmation, which I appreciate it. And here's what he said. I have a question for the Even Money podcast. I've been listening for two years. My first year, I picked all the division winners and bet on them before I listened to Steve. Steve then immediately said not to place preseason prop bets like that. My first year, I ended up ahead because of those bets, but lost on the weekly bets for the year. My second year, I lost on my weekly bets for the year. I don't bet much, just to keep it interesting, but to be honest, the preseason bets have been my only experience coming out ahead for the year. So I did it again and would like to know what both you and Steve think of this. It really looks like New England is going heading, heading back to the Super Bowl. There are maybe three to four teams that could stop them. In that group, my favorite would be Oakland. I deposited $250 on top bet. They doubled to 500 because I did it via Bitcoin. I put $100 on New England to win the Super Bowl. If they win, I am up $50, i.e. $300. I put 400 on the Raiders to win the Super Bowl. If they win, I am up about $4,500, uh, i.e. win 4800 If anybody else wins, I am out $250. Likely teams, he has Green Bay, Dallas, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, etc. You could apply this to New England and any of the handful of other teams likely to challenge them. What do you think? A waste of $250 or worth the risk to have fun on the season? So essentially, he, he's talking about taking the Patriots and one other team for the preseason you know, win, you know, win the Super Bowl bet, Steve. Well, I don't have any problem at all with the New England bet. Because and I talk about that 50% of house vigorish in the pool. I actually think there's no vig against New England. I think New England is just every year uh, overachieves versus expectations. But by definition, that means the rest of the vigorish on all the other teams might be 55 to 60%. So I think I'd have a problem with any other team. The best way I could I could you know illustrate that is I don't know his exact odds he got on Oakland at 12 to 1 or whatever it is. But you could go ahead and throw 12 teams in a hat that have every bit as good a chance 
as Oakland, I think you mentioned, you know, Green Bay, uh, you know, Dallas, um, yeah, Pittsburgh, you just go on and on. And so every one of those teams, maybe if you took New England out, would have about a 10 to, to 1 to 12 to 1 chance. But New England's in the pool. So New England's going to win it like 40% of the time. And because of that, maybe that's a little high, maybe 35%. Because of that, I love the New England idea. The other one, not so much. Got it. Interesting. I always wonder, that's another one where that I, I know, because I correspond with Steve, that that's the team that he likes. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder if you get clouded a little bit like that. Interesting podcast where Steve says, you know, he, he likes the Raiders the most. Um, and then you are obviously down on the Raiders. He's also hoping that maybe during the season we can summarize all of our picks, the bets that we made for each podcast because he's usually listening in the car while he's exercising or whatever. So I think we can do that. That sounds like um, a fair request there. So thanks for the email, Steve, and thanks for taking advantage of the Amazon banner ad over at RossTucker.com. And they'll do it for this week's Even Money podcast Love those emails. If you have your own question or your own proposed bets and you want to throw them off Steve, take advantage of any of the sponsors at RossTucker.com and send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, like I said. Or you can also do iTunes rankings, comments. That really helps. Downloading it on multiple devices. Multiple times is for studs only. Other than that, tidy whities forever. Good luck, everybody. Hope you win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.